and hello and welcome to Beyond Episode 778. This is IGN's PlayStation Show. My name is Max Scoville, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, Colin Stevens. Hey. Beyond. Who, thanks to Movie Magic, is actually not in the room with us, but is metaphorically in the room with us. Actually in the room with me is Jada Griffin. Hey, Max. Hey, what's up? This is where we're like sitting really far. This is like a... It's a, it's like a, you know, it's like a Western showdown. And, yeah. You know, who's going to draw first? Yeah. You can't actually tell, again, thanks to the movie magic. But anyway, um, yeah, this is a, we are going to be talking about all sorts of fun video game stuff that is going on. If we're a little bit sleepy, it's because we are coming out of the whole Thanksgiving weekend thing. And it is Cyber Monday, and I hope you are enjoying the cyber deals to all who celebrate. Uh, before we get into this, a um, couple things I want to plug. IGN is doing a PlayStation character face-off which is trying to determine the best PlayStation character of all time, which basically means you have to pick like a this or that of all of the different characters, and that includes third-party characters and probably probably some joke ones thrown in there, but that's up on IGN.com. Uh, and then, of course, the Game Awards is coming up that is happening on December 8th at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have a pre-show and a post-show, and you can just come 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 hang out with us, and uh, I, will, I will be there, and other people will be there, and we're going to talk about the games and hopefully have some surprises and treats. And, uh... Yeah, I, we'll see you then. But in the meantime, let's talk about some games. So the big news this week, or today at least, is that The Witcher 1 is going to get an open world remake. We knew it was getting a remake from uh, CD Projekt Red, but we did not know it was going to be open world, which is a pretty big deal because the original game, which came out in 2007, is not an open world game. In fact, if you look at that game now, it is, it is aged very noticeably. It's actually running on the Bioware Aurora engine, which was used to make, like, Neverwinter Nights. So it's a little it's, bit dated. It's a little old. You know, it's, a, it's it, you know, some things get better with age. Uh, this one, maybe not so much. Yeah, and this is, I mean, clearly going to be sort of a, a remake of the same caliber of, uh, I don't even know what, we, what you'd compare it to. It's going to be, like, a pretty pretty massive overhaul, I would imagine. Um, but it, it makes me kind of wonder, what other games do we want to see get that kind of retooling remake in an open world fashion. Not just not just your standard kind of take the original, do some minor tweaking and then up-res everything so it looks prettier, but like full on go under the hood and like rearrange stuff so that it is structurally a different experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of games I think that fit that criteria. Um, we put out a poll earlier this morning. Uh, you know, a couple options we put in there. Bioshock Infinite, Resident Evil 3, Silent Hill 1, in Castlevania. Now, granted, some of these have gotten remasters or remakes in the near future, in the recent past. Like, but this is like kind of like expanding them to be an open world, not necessarily just getting a remake. Uh, according to the audience, Castlevania is the the one they want to see is, most. That's a kind of like a uh, honestly, these were sort of my chicken scratch notes that just got thrown into a huge poll on a very popular uh, video game site, social media, and I'm feel a little bit bashful about that. Castlevania. Obviously, you say Castlevania, like, what are we talking about? The original NES game? Like, it's yeah, kind of a broad I'm, topic. It's an entire, it's not even just one series, it's a genre. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of inspiration it can take, though. Uh, we got the Lords of Shadow games back on the PS3 and 360, and that was kind of the pseudo open world kind of Metroidvania, Castlevania style where you can go back and forth to grab you know, upgrades and power-ups and then traverse different areas of the dungeon as you get different um, abilities. Um, and I think it could potentially work as an open world. I think it would be tricky to, mm -hmm. to get that right balance to where it wouldn't just feel like we're making an open world game just to make it an open world game. Like, we want it... If, yeah, Colin, go. So I think, you know, an open castle game, I suppose, because I feel like that would... <laughs> make the most sense there we're doing the, like the frontiers open is, zone open thing open zone yeah, world now exactly. <laughs> the, the tricky thing here though is uh halfway through you'd have to figure out how to flip it um 180 degrees and i think that would be pretty hard with an open world game but i, I trust them they can do it that i think is, the ps5 like has the power for that the most ambitious thing now um eric williams who we had on talking about god of war uh, he went over on, on Kind of Funny and talked to them and said he just really wants to remake Symphony of the Night because his whole tradition after finishing a game is to replay through that. Uh, and I I love the idea of how do, how do you f flip an entire open... I think the closest thing we've gotten to that, and in a lot of ways, obviously, FromSoft borrows a lot from Castlevania, but going down the elevator for the first time in Elden Ring, I feel mm. like it's very much that kind of like, yeah. oh, this is bigger than I than I realized kind of feeling. Yeah, it's just like, I was like, I'm expecting to go down like a floor to knock out a dungeon and then go back up. And it's like, oh no, there's a whole galaxy down here. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, no, I mean, I think we gotta, we gotta sort of 
think about what constitutes an open world or what works best for open worlds. Cause obviously I think islands are like a good kind of go-to for that. Mm -hmm. Like that sort of in terms of how it's islands, peninsulas, cities, I mean, peninsulas, anything where you can just sort of cut off a core, like the, you, you put in boundaries without it being too obvious. Uh, Bioshock Infinite always kind of felt to me like they wanted it to be open world, but it wasn't quite able to do it. And I know? believe they were trying to do that, and they ended up having to trim a bunch because of scope and mm -hmm. crunch and other thing, other reasons. I don't know the reasons. I wasn't at the studio, obviously. I mean, it, it's but... got that whole rail system every which way. Yep. And it felt kind of odd that that, that was all, like, disconnected. Because mm -hmm. it's the whole point is for is for rapid transit, but it doesn't take you throughout the entire game. You know, it's kind of and if you look at that original reveal trailer, I feel like it's a, again, it's, you know, a little bit. Yeah, kind of oversold it, but it, it has a much larger scale to it. And Columbia would be incredible to explore in that sense. But again, that's also a very narrative focused game. And like when you have a like a core story that's like, go this way, follow this thing. That's one of the challenges that we have with uh, with open world games is really f telling telling a story without. You, you know, without getting completely lost in the world itself or without making the the player freedom seem like it has to be this one specific trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah. I think um, uh, with a lot of games in the past, especially ones with technical limitations, it felt like a lot of things kind of wanted to be open world before that was really possible. Um, like, I, I feel like Ocarina of Time has sort of the ambitions of being open world when you're in its overworld, you know, mm. of Hyrule and stuff. So I feel like remaking that game, making it just more connected, not having sort of loading screens, um, maybe not like full-blown Breath of the Wild open, but just, you know, just a more sort of connected and cohesive map would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big argument for, again, like the, the core thing of an open world game. And it's, it's that just beaten horse of a cliche of, you know, the real the real main character is the setting itself, the place, the actual, <laughs> the world. But I think, yeah, I mean, Bioshock Infinite would be so good for that because it is such a memorable location. The I mean, you know, the original Raptured I don't think works as well because that is a bunch of tubes be, that are connected. I, yeah, I feel like it would be real tough to do the first one, which is why we put Infinite in the, mm -hmm. the poll instead of the first one, because the first one is by far my favorite. I think it's the best one of the series. You know, don't at me. But I, I agree with your point. Like, I feel like it would be very tough to kind of do that open world unless you would have to then, like, put on a big daddy suit, like, which wasn't a thing in the first one, if I remember right. I think you don't get, I don't think you got the suit until two. Mm -mm. You got it at the end of one, right? I think so. I can't remember. It's it's been a while. It, it looks together. like I'm the, the, point, like, the point is they had you know. I know just, what I'm playing for this holiday break. Um, <laughs> but yes, like I feel like it would be really tough to to do that one just because of that reasoning. Um, my argument for Resident Evil Three, and we just we obviously just got a full remake of that, is the fact that like that RE Two the remake felt fine. It totally it worked. I think better because it is so claustrophobic, and you are in like a police station, and then you're in mm -hmm. like the sewers. You never feel like there's the opportunity to go out and like explore a more open setting. Whereas three, you're actually in Raccoon City, and they kind of turn you loose outside. There's a little bit of outside stuff in, in RE Two, but like it feels that feels much narrower in scope in terms of the of the story. But like there's large stretches of city where you're just running around, and it's like th th this this looks like an open world game if you didn't know what you were saying. You know, you're going into stores, mm -hmm. you're checking stuff out. Like some of that is, you know, new and reimagined and all that. But it's, you know, it's it's interesting because it also like it doesn't, like, I don't think people necessarily want an open world Resident Evil game. You know, like it's not, it's sort of antithetical to what that series is. Like it's about survival horror is so much about limitations and about uh, this sense of, well, you know, survival. Like you're kind of, you're kind of stuck in certain places and it would be, it would be like a pretty huge departure. But if, again, if we we're going to go into the hood and do like a full on, you know, Witcher one grade, here's the thing that is old. We are going to totally retool it and tweak it and make it mm -hmm. something arguably like a, a different product. That would be interesting to see it done with this one. But like, you know, running around a city and having Nemesis coming after you regardless of where you are would be kind of gnarly. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. They, there, there'd be a lot of more opportunities for surprise encounters. You know, you never know, like, where a liquor is going to show up. Like, like it could just pop up out of, like, a manhole in the middle of the street, like, while you're just going down the street. Like, oh, cool. Um, I'm not going that way anymore. Um, I mm -hmm. didn't need to go that way. I'll just go do this other quest. Um. <laughs> to, to me, Resident Evil sort of operates in threes. Like, the first three games are obviously very connected, narratively, location-wise, everything. It's all on the PS1 also, so there's that. And then 
four, five, and six are all sort of more action-oriented and sort of progress a little bit too far in that direction. <laughs> and then I get the sense six that, was a uh, treasure, Colin. How dare you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get um, so many comments for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but then seven and eight, obviously, you know, both have the first-person thing going on, and I expect nine to go in the same direction and to sort of wrap up like the whole Ethan Winters thing. But I'd like to see, you know, with ten onwards, if they would try sort of a new angle and that angle like you know maybe it would be open world capcom obviously knows how to do open environments with uh monster hunter obviously those games aren't fully open world but like they know how to sort of get there even with the re engine so i feel like it, the, it would be uh, interesting the monster hunter they, they did the monster hunter stories which was uh you know closer to an open world than you know world or um uh, what is the rise. newest one? Rise. Um, mm. But yeah, like, so I, I you know, I, and that's a good point you made about one, two, three, four, five, six. I never thought seven, about eight, that. Nine. That's a really, I didn't it's like a trilogy of trilogies. Yeah, it's great. Kind of um, so, you know, Capcom. The trilogy of trilogies. There Capcom. It is. I mean, it's surprises. not there quite yet. They could throw a curveball there. But yeah, I, I'm dying to see what they do with, you know, with the, with the four remake. But mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, 4 kind of gets, it gets that large scale, but, it, you know, it's... It's, yeah. it's kind of God of war -y Yeah. To I mean, where it's, like, it feels, yeah. like, a little open, but it's not really mm -hmm. open. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, I, to me, like, God of War is, is so much of, like, it is kind of a, you know, it's a Metroidvania, structurally speaking. Like, yep. you have those, you're like, I don't know how to get in that door, I'll be back with a new weapon and figure it out for myself. But, yeah, I don't know, it's it, it's also that, that issue of, like, you, it's the, it's the logic of, like, you know, deep fried, deep fried Twinkies, where like you can be, you could deep fry anything. That doesn't mean it's going to be good. You Correct. know, you could deep fry something and it's going to destroy it. And like trying to be like, oh, open world blank, open world anything, it doesn't mm -hmm. automatically make it better. It doesn't make a good open world game. It doesn't make an improvement over the original game necessarily. But I think, you know, depending on what the game is, you know, there's potential to do cool stuff there. Silent Hill, I think, really is probably the most prime one for this in terms of like, it's a it's a town it's a town like the, yeah. the 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 hero the title is the is the place like mm -hmm. so are like are we clearing the fog as we progress through to reveal more of the map is it literally is that literally that part of the open world pretty amazing yeah. like you could actually like there's you know the different nightmares or whatever you know like the traumas or whatever you once you help somebody out of their trauma it clears that fog from that part of the map and you can then explore be, a little bit better. Wouldn't it be great if that fog, as it cleared more and more and more in your, when you're in this open world area, it just revealed more horrific things surrounding you I that would, you didn't that know would, there the entire time? That would be great. I would I love that. that. Almost like Bloodborne, like when you... Uh, remind me, Max, it's been a long time since I played Bloodborne. What is it, the, the oh, stat yeah. you get that... Um, when your insight is high enough. Work? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like your insight going higher in Bloodborne. You start seeing things that you couldn't see before. I think that'd be pretty fun. I mean, you know, that obviously that speaking of Bloodborne, like we do so often on this show and we will be doing more later, uh, Bloodborne would make a pretty cool open world game. And it's so like it's so close, like it has that sort of from soft mm -hmm. freedom where you're like, you can go whatever you want. And like Elden Ring, you know, it has a lot of Bloodborne in it. Like this, this is definitely, you know, it's equal parts Dark Souls. And, you know, when you get in the scary little margins, there's some Bloodborne stuff going on. But yeah, I don't know. I could see them sort of take everything that's great about Bloodborne and just apply it to an open world. And I mean, they've got the money now. They, they could, I mean, they, they had the money before, but they, could, they, they could definitely have the money after Elden do, Ring. They could make it. They just. They, I think it's okay if they do that. You know, <laughs> uh, what, did, what did the community say? Like, what were some suggestions from people? So uh, one of them that I was super thrilled about, like I just can imagine, uh, came from Derek Brooks um, on Twitter. Uh, Derek BR seven eight two seven 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 three seven. I honestly would love an open world Ghostbusters game or Superman game. Yeah, I Ghostbusters. Mean, I am all for that. That give seems me, that seems like a solid idea. Give me New York City. Yeah. Give me a bunch of ghosts that have broken out of containment, that have taken over different houses, landmarks, everything in New York City, and you are you have to go and recapture them around the map. Give me four-player co-op, open world, Division style, just maybe not the bullet sponginess from Division, and let me let me just go drive the Ecto. Yeah, I mean that's around. it's also like sort of structurally suited for it because they're they're for hire, you know? Like yeah. they get a phone call and they're like, "Hey, there's a ghost over here. Go over there. Go over there. Like go go do it. You have a hub area to go back to." Makes a lot of sense. You know, it works well. Again, that also wasn't answering the question where like what older game could use a remake and it's, you know, that would be a pretty massive overhaul of the what, 2009 Ghostbusters for game. For the the PS3? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's no. like the NES uh, Ghostbusters game. It's yeah. a remake of that. Yeah, that, that's fair. That is technically an open world game. You play as the logo and you drive around in a, gr a grid. That's the point of that game. Great game. Really good one there. Uh, other options we got uh, from AK at J Crispy Panther. Jet Set Radio Future. Um, yes, J Crispy Panther. Um, Jet Set Radio Future, I think, is also a great fit for this. I mean, we got the Tony Hawk Underground games that kind of push Tony Hawk into an, under, uh, an open world format. Um, Jet Set Radio Future can do it and maybe do it better uh like their style wise i always preferred the jet set radio uh future style over tony hawk yeah um, respect that go out there and do some grinding do yeah. some spray painting give flips, me some, whatever you just I, get out there I, give me some multiplayer let me go you know we battle with people for tagging different locations of the city like splatoon style where you just got to kind of control different areas by tagging different areas yeah. like well let us know in the comments what game do you want to see get this full proper treatment it's it's again it's sort of a it's a, a it's a question with a lot of caveats and a lot of just uh, arguments about the semantics of what makes an open world game and what makes a remake. It's really just a kind of a just a big softball question mark right there. Now, speaking of survival horror stuff, you are probably all aware of the Callisto Protocol, the survival horror game that is coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC platforms on December 2nd. And if you want to delve into this horrifying universe a little bit early, you should check out Helix Station, which is a Callisto Protocol narrative companion podcast that stars Gwendolyn Christie and Michael Ironside. IGN is publishing and distributing Helix, Helix Station in partnership with Striking Distance Studios. In episode four, all hell has officially broken loose. Percy and company are on the run from vicious alien creatures, like you do. And one of the companions is in dire need of medical attention. Here's a tease of the horrors lying in wait in episode five. Check it out. I did what you said. Please let them go. Carol was strapping explosives to the carpenter drive. We're all about to become legends. Carol Keller? Step away from the drive. It's all over. <laughs> this is what UJC sent after me? An errand girl? Are you ready for martyrdom? Please put the gun down. She's got them chained to the reactor. She'll kill them. Carol, you're not listening. It's simple. Back up or I shoot. Trust me, I don't miss. Shoot me and the kids go boom! Please. Carol, what are you doing? The safekeeping. Carol, spit that key out of your mouth. The lunatic swallowed the key. That was dumb, Carol. Real dumb. Sure it's going to be tough to get those kids' handcuffs off now. <laughs> Why are you doing all this, Carol? No one cares about this hole of a station. Earth was our one true home. And what did we do? We killed her! I'm not going to ask you again. Step away from the drive. We have a responsibility. Life comes and goes. The nature of things. Well, that's what lives forever. The past, the messages sent from the present to the future, and... and to send a message. All I have to do is push this little... Ah! Two lines, everyone. Please line up in an orderly fashion. That was a sample of episode five of Helix Station, a Callisto Protocol companion podcast leading up to the release of the game on December 2nd. All episodes are out now, so find them wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to this podcast, Beyond. Okay. So we sort of teased this uh, last time we did a regular episode, whenever that was exactly. I don't even remember the last Things, time we recorded a regular episode, to be yeah, honest. We've, we've been doing a, a sort of weird obstacle course of holidays and outages and whatnot. But shovelware is a, is a thing. It is it's definitely a, a thing. It is a whole thing. Uh, I was poking around. It was sort of like one of those weeks where I'm like, oh, what are we going to talk about? There's kind of seems like slow for news. I was like, what came out this week? And I found a bunch of very strange games, which... I was like, it's called like Stroke the Parrot, Stroke the Tarantula. Red, do we have do we have pictures of those? I think they're yeah. So Stroke the Parrot. Oh. This is this came out um, early November. There's there, <laughs> multiple of these came out. These are coming out like every few days. There's Stroke the Parrot. I think there's Stroke the Tarantula, Stroke the Spider. Not playing that one. I actually I I, I got Stroke the Parrot because it was on sale. I didn't want the Tarantula. Stroke mm. the Snake. Um, mm. The descriptions are really funny because the snakes are scary but still lovable pets. 
I now, mean, it's true. I know yeah. a lot of friends with snakes for pets. Stroke the rabbit. Stroke it before it hops away. Um, the they do that. The parrot was one. I think the description there said like, stroke it before it bites you with its beak or something. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a real challenge. And spoiler, there's no gameplay. You like, you tap a button until you get a platinum trophy. That's the whole point of these. They are, they are trophy mining games. They are, I think even sub shovelware, but we are going to talk about them because I think they're hilarious. And also like sort of like weirdly, like weirdly horny. Like they're like stroke the turtle. He's a big mm. hard turtle. Mm. Get a load of that turtle. Ooh, the rabbit is. Yes, he stroke the tortoise. Stroke it to make it come out only of its it, shell. Only if it was Donatello. Oh, don't well. don't like it. Nope. <laughs> Blocked and reported. Get that tortoise out of here. But uh, yeah, so right after we're basically going to talk about that, PlayStation apparently sent out a letter to developers uh, stating that shovelware and reskin games and all that stuff is they're they're going to lay the smack down. They're not tolerating it. Uh, this is sort of it's it, you know it's how do you how do you qualify like what what <laughs> what is shovelware? What is what what is what is trophy mining stuff? And I believe the what they have here in this in this letter that was uh, this was pulled by Dex.exe. Uh, from an anonymous source, and products whose functionality and/or assets are copied and, or are not meaningful, meaningfully different from products already published on PlayStation Store, irrespective of the publisher of record. Multiple concept and product variants published by individual partners that have duplicative functionality or experiences differentiated only by minor variances of functionality or assets. You know, like the stroke the tortoise, stroke the spider, stroke the rabbit series, which really it came out like kind of a cartoonishly quick cadence. Like here, yeah. I actually got the platinum. I don't want to boast or anything, but yeah. Seventy-one trophies. How yeah, long did you have to stroke? Seventy-one. So I actually, I, I, this is so this is cheating. Like to begin with, like to play this game, like it's cheating to get to get the platinum this way. It is cheating even more if you go and get an electric toothbrush and hold it against oh, no. your controller to hit all the hit the button repeatedly. So I actually really I cheese the hell out of that. I that don't blame parrot. you though. I would have probably would have done the same thing. I, I thank you also for like taking the bullet on this one because I did not want this game on my profile. I got to submit an expense report mm. for two seventy nine for that parrot game. <laughs> I'm gonna get all reimbursed for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all stroked out. It's really. Not, it's, you know, it's... Sometimes we get to play amazing games working at IGN. And sometimes you get to stroke the parrot. You know, I'm... <laughs> I'm actually kind of happy I got that platinum up for Sony Crackdown on these. Like, I feel like this is going to be like, like PT, but not... Like really, uh, like a much worse PT that's gonna get delisted. Trophy I'll be guys. like, yeah, I played it. I got the trophy. I'm the only one in the world. Um, well, not definitely not the only person. Well, when you had that, you know, you brought that brought these games to my attention. It inspired me. Uh, so we're gonna play a little game. It's a little new segment. Uh, I'm gonna have the you two, the rest of our panel. I'm gonna have you guys. Uh, I'm gonna be picking games. I hope you guys haven't played. Most likely, you haven't because. This week's theme is shovelware. Um, and basically, you're going to tell me what this game is about based on only getting the name of this game. And then after you guys give me your descriptions, Red will play the B-roll, and we'll see what the game is actually about. Now, keep in mind, these are all real games. Um, I'm not making up any names here. So, uh, I'm yeah, excited. That, I'm really, I, love, I love a good surprise, and I love garbage, so this is a good combination yeah. of... So I want, you guys, I, I want you guys to give me the main character, what the main character you're playing as, <laughs> a elevator pitch for what the game is about, and then what the gameplay is like. Okay. Those three things. Okay. okay? All right. So, the first one is called Finger Fitness. Max, let's start with you. Um, I don't. There's. It, yeah, I'm guessing the main character. Yes. Is it a hand? Okay. And it's a hand, and you have to make it. You have to, to hit push. The, there's actually just. It's a. It's a. It's that the game is a is a hand on a controller, and you have to make it do stuff on the controller. Okay. That's my. That's my <laughs> theory. I think. Colin. I maybe I'm underthinking it. Uh, man, I mean, that's basically word for word what I would have said. Um, okay. Fine, the main character is a finger. Um, okay. And Which finger? <laughs> uh, right, right pointer. Okay. Uh, this is your one chance to flip off the audience and have fun with it and be accepted and you failed. No, nah, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Not, not on my first time back in a long time. Um, 
and you are exercising as said finger. You're doing pull-ups on like uh, monkey bars. Um, you're you're playing soccer with just the one finger, and as you go through the game, you get more fingers, and you complete the hand, and then you. So can, it's a Metroidvania. Uh, and then you, you exactly. could get access to new areas that you could only fit into. Such as the pocket. Yes, there you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Red then, roll the um, B-roll. Oh so as you press buttons, you will gain points um, or experience, which you can then go into the shop to buy upgrades. Okay. Um, and then using those uh, upgrades, you'll get these little, these little, you know, frog and octopus. And I think that's a potato. Um and a parrot um you can level them up oh, and this is driving me crazy so in photoshop if you go to lair and then go down to the bottom there's a thing that says remove white mat and it gets rid of that halo around pngs oh. they didn't do that here and i don't like it one bit <laughs> now this that is dual sense uh yeah. and this dual sense yep. capability is very important here yes and this one they they highlight the, the like the 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 rumble features and all that that's, that's the feedback and that's, stuff i don't think that's shovelware i think that is a kooky indie title <laughs> so mm -hmm. this is this one's probably the furthest away from shovelware that i picked on the list but uh i, I wanted to start with that one because i thought it was a great way to kick it off um okay the next one and we'll start with you colin um also finger fitness is 99 cents and it came out last year in november so it's about a year old um next one is beaver fun okay <laughs> This one is definitely shovelware. Um, uh, um, what I want to say, I'm not going to. Okay. Um, however, product um, not yet it's rated. An, it's it's an Angry Beavers game. You actually just gave us the subtitle for an Angry Beavers game. So it's the two beavers. I can't remember so their names. Daggett and uh, it's Norbert? Daggett and Norbert. Thank you, thank you. That's some expert Nickelodeon knowledge. Um, it's the two of them, and uh, the gameplay is you going around. Um, I think that there were a lot of pneumatic tubes in that show, if I remember what? correctly. Um, right. I, honestly, I have like one memory of that show, and a pneumatic tube is involved somehow. I think there was like a pneumatic like mail delivery episode. Yeah, maybe? that's how they got their mail. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, and they're just trying to sort all the mail, almost like a like a. Uh, uh, Cooking okay. mini game partner what? game type type situation. All right, Max Beaver Fun. Beaver Fun, I think Colin is grossly overselling a beloved IP, and I think this is the most half-assed, like clip art looking beaver that is chewing on trees and knocking them down, and you get like a point, or you you get more mm. maybe more than one point, some points for doing trees, making them go down, and they don't they don't do it. Maybe it says timber on the screen. And it has like a really badly drawn, like a, like a cloud effect when it lands to suggest that it fell hard on the ground. Roll that B-roll red. Beaver Fun is a rhythm game where you have to hit the buttons and your beaver just kind of, you know, does a little Canadian jig. This doesn't I, look fun at all. <laughs> these, uh, you know. I, the, I love uh, how you're just watching them get trophies, like, yes. in real time. Yep. This is and this video is captured from if I remember right, I captured this one straight from the PlayStation Store. Wow, I so think. they got they show the trophies in the trailer. Yes. Spoilers. Um mm. The uh, the the description for this game, Beaver Fun is a retro rhythm game that lets the user complete a level with the controller buttons. <laughs> Try to complete the level with your best time. Trophies are collected as you complete the rhythm goals. Single player fun and arcade style entertainment. Beaver Fun, two ninety nine, dropped in September this year. Okay. Um, that uh, there's also uh, Beaver Run, which is also Ooh. a rhythm game. I bet um, you make the Beaver Run in that one. Then there is also Ooh. Pickle Fun. And Pickle Run. And then there's also Ninja Wait. Run. Yes, Pickle Fun and Pickle Run. Yes. And then there's pickle, Ninja Fun. Pickle Fun and Beaver Fun. Fun. Got it. Got yes. it. Oh. And, and then there's also Ninja Run, which honestly makes the most sense for one of these types of games, but still probably. Yeah, but what's that a euphemism for? Ninja Run. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Sneaky diarrhea. Something. Some, some, <laughs> some, uh, some Gen Z vernacular that we're not familiar I don't with. Even wanna, I don't even want to know. Well, that there you go. So um, head on over to the, the PlayStation Store and grab these uh, shovel titles while you still can before Sony goes in there and just deletes all of them. Uh, do we have time for one more? Because yeah, I have one it. more really yeah, good it. one. Let's hear it. Okay. Back to you, Max. 
Italian Journey. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Italian Journey? Italian Journey. I'm so sad Brian's not here for this. I know. Did you know Brian's Italian? I did. Yeah, I was, he's mentioned that a few times. He's mentioned it he's a few times. He's also from New Jersey. Anyway, um, I'm going to say, the again, the world's most horrible clip art Mario lookalike. And it's uh, an infinite runner. Like maybe maybe slightly more royalty free than Flappy Bird looking, but okay. similar vibe. And you are just pushing the buttons, and the buttons are probably like it's. I think the prompts are large. Okay, like maybe even larger than Beaver Fun. Colin, wow, uh, this is actually just the Godfather Part Two, but only the parts with Robert De Niro when he's um, uh, coming to uh, Italy and then finding his way to America and becoming uh, the Godfather that we know and love. Is is Robert De Niro actually voicing this? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. This is the this is the that would be the most expensive shovelware game ever made, um, yeah. or just a passion project that he was you know snake oiled into for some some reason. Why not? Uh, Red, you got that B roll ready for us? Oh boy. Italian Journey. Um, That's this, it? this is the game. Are you um, join this Italian Journey through through the Italy in the car. Enjoy the graphics with the best tunes. Um, the what? car does not go past that the point. The car doesn't go. It just. That's not even a journey. <laughs> what is that? You literally, you literally hold a button. You don't even press button. It's not timed. You literally just hold one of the trigger and buttons, and it just the... and it just drives and loops back. That's it. They could have made it go. It doesn't even go back. They didn't even use the rest of the. So for those of you who are listening at home, there is a there is a picture of a beautiful uh, it's Italian, not that beautiful Italian, beautiful Italian countryside. Italian? Yeah, and a car drives. It just drive. It drives like there's a, a windy road, a quarter of the screen, and way up the screen, and there's like coin. It does. It's very bad. It's a very bad looking game. These aren't good. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I don't like it one bit. Not a fan of that. They didn't even try. I, in so in like maybe 1999, I tried to make a flash cartoon using like the trial version of like Macromedia Flash ver 2001 or whatever whatever version was that. And I just made the world's worst drawing of a pod racer and had it driving off screen. It would make like a crashing sound effect, and it was like one motion clean. <sighs> and I put it on Newgrounds, and it got deleted in like 20 minutes. They were like, "This is crap." Get this I out of here. wish I I had my game prepped I, I built a game i've built like three or four little indie type games and stuff like probably that probably better than, than yes that, definitely yeah. better than that um it even has credits wow um yeah oh. i built everything yeah so. but what i was, what I was getting have, at is this have your name a million times uh yes and then has a special thanks to my partner because he helped Aww. with some he helped with some ideas so written and directed by hideo kojima <laughs> yeah my partner in crime how'd you know no it's just it's weird that like Newgrounds in in 2000 or whenever had better quality control than the playstation 5 storefront <laughs> and i mean and this is these games aren't just in the you know ps5 storefront you'll find these on steam you can find these on the nintendo switch um yeah. i haven't looked in the xbox to see if they're there man but... sony can't even get exclusives in the shovelware, <laughs> shovelware. <laughs> i want more exclusives um this is actually what we consider a fourth party developer fourth party <laughs> one one and a half party anyway uh speaking of exclusives it's time to talk about Bloodborne a little bit more. It's difficult, but deeply rewarding. It's a lot easier when you have help. You can't pause it, and at some point, you will ask yourself, what am I supposed to do with the umbilical cord? Am I talking about Bloodborne, or am I talking about parenting, or both? We've all heard something we've all heard something difficult described as the dark souls of blank, but like hear me out. The first thing you do in Bloodborne and as a parent is stumble out of a hospital terrified at what happens next and with no clear instructions about how you're going to approach it. And early on, it is not easy. It can be frustrating and confusing and scary, but everybody's talked it up so much that you might feel like there's something wrong with you for not immediately loving it. And if we're being honest, a lot of people do give up and just walk away in Bloodborne and parenting. A special camaraderie is formed among those who have overcome the many challenges of both these things, uh, whether you're surviving the hunt or raising a kid, and complete strangers are often quick to help each other out, whether they're being summoned to help beat the blood-starved beast or coming to the rescue when another parent has run out of wipes. Maybe through some combination of skill or luck, you have found this infamously harrowing challenge to be a walk in the park. Well, you've got two options. One, you can become a content creator and use your talents to provide helpful tips to others who may be struggling. Or two, you can keep it to yourself because saying it's easy just makes you sound like an asshole. And hey, 
If you want to make it a contest, that actually comes later. In Bloodborne, it's with PvP, and in Parenting, it's pumping points in your kids' insight and enrolling them in AP classes and getting weirdly competitive with other parents. Either way, it involves some sinister bells ringing. So. Whether you're a hunter braving the cosmic horrors of that great nightmare frontier or a parent running on three hours of sleep, may you find your worth in the waking world. And I wrote that after like nine cups of coffee this morning because I didn't get a good night's sleep. Only nine cups? Yeah. And it, uh, anyway, um, no, I've, been, I've been kicking that around for a while. It's, I, it, it's, I, I feel like it's, it's very, very corny. I also like, you know, God of War make you a better father? No! Locked myself in my room to play it for 11 hours straight. Anyway, um, moving on. This is a very, this is a very weird uh, sort of two-header story here. Um, part one, the Gran Turismo director says that a PC port is possible. Point two, Sony and Honda are working together to put PS5 integration into electric cars. This is not a this is not a joke. That's a real thing. I'm curious which of these is going to happen first. Are we going to see Gran Turismo on PC or are we going to see PlayStation 5 in a Honda electric car first? Hmm. Series creator Kazunori Yamauchi uh, told GT Planet, Gran Turismo is a very finely tuned title. There are not many platforms which could run the game in 4K 60p natively. So one way we make that possible is to narrow down the platform. It's not a very easy subject. Of course, we're looking into it and considering it. Meanwhile, the CEO of Sony Honda Mobility, Izumi Kawanishi, told the Financial Times, Sony has content, services, and entertainment technologies that move people. We are adapting these assets to mobility, and this is our strength against Tesla, and future hardware will cater to the entertainment and network we would like to offer. And when he says future hardware, I think he's talking about cars. This is this like cracks me up though, because like we've we've seen that, you know, Tesla can obviously have games running it, but the idea of a Honda with a PS5 in it is uh you know what though like it's it feels like it's we're everybody's kind of coming at this from different directions like you know tesla obviously is having all these like arcade games and stuff that you can play in it i think they had like sonic was one of the ones they, they, they said they you could play in there too yeah um yeah so they got old and new stuff uh this is obviously happening with playstation they're talking about um we have that pokemon car that got unveiled in what like was that uh comic-con e3 this year or something like that i can't remember when the pokemon car does gotcha. it have do you play pokemon in the car i mean you can um what you call it you it has like a projector so you could potentially so you can like project pokemon into the road and try to hit them. <laughs> yes <laughs> i think it's while you're parked pokemon is by like, definition a portable thing it is the pocket monsters you can you can play pokemon go on your phone which you could probably clip to your dashboard again if you want to get in a car accident or you can just play your switch like i feel like that doesn't count Count putting a putting a PS5 in your center console. I don't. I like. I have a hard time like fitting the PS5 in my entertainment console. Putting that in the in the middle of a Honda sounds like a real a feat of engineering, as it were. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know. Also, like I don't. I, who there are people out there. It actually sounds now that I think about it, it actually sounds kind of cool. But playing Gran Turismo inside of an actual car. Oh, somebody would do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're like, but it would be weird because you'd be like looking sort of. You'd be, you know, you could play with a steering wheel. I think that's how you could do it in a Tesla. But I'd love it if you're like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make make pretend that this Honda is a Toyota. And see what that feels like with the ultimate <laughs> driving simulator. <laughs> I don't know. I would. I I think that's a incredibly um, surreal surreal piece of uh, of news right there. Yeah, I, it'd be strange. I mean, are we gonna start seeing cars with two steering wheels so that the, you know your second player can? I mean, they already have that. It's for driving instructors. True. There you go. Yeah. It's the the technology is there. I think all, all cars should have a uh, steering wheel for every seat, and then it's just dr driving by democracy. <laughs> whichever direction everybody wants to go, you all go it's that way a, together. It's just a Mario Party mini And then yeah. you can yeah. just disable the ones in the back seat when you it's have like those, kids. It's like those, those pedal bikes that they have in, like, San Diego where people, like, sit at a bar and pedal the bicycle, sort of. You know, it's a yeah. good way to get in a horrible accident. Uh, now, the Game Awards is coming up. We talked about this a little bit. Um, but there are some nominees... You know, they, they usually have some nominees. That's kind of how that works, the Game Awards. Um, but I wanted to talk about which of the nominees we are the most outraged by. Sorry, I'm pulling these up right now. But yeah, the, the big sort of Game of the Year nominees are Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, not bad for Sony. That's like, that's... We had a banging year. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Elden Ring, good game. Everyone should play that, play that game. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's also... 
I think there's a, I think there's like, I saw some people getting their, getting their Jimmy's rustled by scorn, having best art direction, because like that is like very, I, I'm torn on that. Cause I think that was a gorgeous game, but it also is like very much like playing an HR Giger art book where it's like, yeah, you know, they, it's well presented, well done, but like your art direction was, was a lot of it was sort of done for you there, you know? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. heavily inspired. It's not, it wasn't original. Like a lot of other titles kind of get to a degree when it goes to art direction. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, and... and Horizon. And yeah. Stray are in, like, a bunch of categories. It's, yeah, there's a lot here. It's kind of a lot of... Uh, yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing. If I was to be outraged about anything, is just, like, kind of the, the lack of diversity in some of the categories. Like, I, I feel mm. like a lot of games just didn't get, like, their... Like, I would have loved to see Splatoon 3 in this best score in music, because mm. Splatoon 3 has some bops, and, you know, I could listen to those tracks for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as like biggest snubs, I think I think Tunic deserved a lot more love in these nominations. Just mm. generally speaking, I think it's probably my favorite. What would be considered an indie game um, of the year. Uh, I'm surprised that Stray got so many nominations because I love that game and there's a lot of things I love about it. But like I was I was honestly very surprised that it got nominated for Game of the Year. Um, but also, uh, I also feel like Kirby didn't get enough love. I think that's mm -hmm. maybe the best Kirby game that's ever been released, and it just sort of got snubbed pretty across the board. So, I think there yeah. should be a category of best best game where you play as a car, and it would be like Gran, <laughs> Gran Turismo and that. They should, it should have been included in the best racing games. It, need, yes. need for Speed, uh, the new one, isn't even allowed because that comes out uh, in December. So it's a cutoff, but uh, yeah, Keeley tweeted the sort of top ten players voice games, so like the fan voting kind of thing. And as of whenever he shared this, Elden Ring was at nine percent, God of War Ragnarok was at eight percent, Sonic Frontiers was at seven percent, Stray was at six, Xenoblade Chronicles, Cult of the Lamb, great, and then Minecraft is on there. Why? Which is, is like, I, is it on there for like the best ongoing? Was that a? Was that like a? I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just on in general. Like, what's your favorite game? But it's like this. I feel like maybe that doesn't need to be on there, you know. I think maybe why is that why is that even an option? Were people just writing in Minecraft like hoping that this little this little indie underdog finally gets some gets some love? A game that nobody's played. Nobody, yeah. nobody in the world. No. It's a weird choice. Um yeah, I'm what's 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 your vibe on Game Awards? How are you feeling about that, Jada? I think I'm just I'm more excited just to see all the new stuff. I want like I'm I'm hoping we get like a new Star Wars trailer. Uh, for um, Jedi Survivor, like, because I'm really hyped for that. I loved Fallen Order. Um, I'm excited to see what the musical performance ends up being. The medley is usually a really cool little moment of the night. Um, I don't know the the Game Awards. It's it's such a it's such a weird thing. Like it's like we need these award shows, um, but I also hope that we get they give more attention and or equal attention to all the categories because there's so many categories every year I watch and it feels like it's like oh yeah this is happening and it happens like during a break or like and yes obviously some categories are smaller than others they're going to be in the pre-show versus like you know game of the year isn't going to be in a pre-show or during a break but I would love to see a little bit more just attention given to yeah, like more more screen time is given to Dwayne Johnson's favorite energy drink than to <laughs> what like best indie game or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like I think that we need to be celebrating these people, especially the ones that are, you know, some of their games and their like their current game that's either just released or their next game that they're there to promote and talk up isn't getting enough time to shine. And this like could be like their big kind of make or break, like huge free marketing kind of moment with air quotes mm -hmm. um i think it's you know i think that's i think that's what i would like to see more from the game awards sure. colin what are you hoping to see this year um i am i'm, I'm <laughs> i want it to be shorter um i think that's that's <laughs> the biggest thing i've sort of sort of gotten over the years um it just it feels like the game awards have gotten longer and longer and longer and it's just hard because everyone wants different things you know some people want it to be more focused on the awards and some people want it to be more focused on the reveals and so it's just a really hard balance to strike um but regardless i i just don't want to see even if the reveals are good and even if the awards are good after like three hours you're just like okay i'm i'm pretty tired you know what yeah, i mean yeah so, so that's what i want to see <laughs> Yeah, it's just a, it's such award show or just such a bizarre product in 
the 21st century. Like, I mean, every, everybody kind of, everything kind of wants to be the Oscars. Like wants to sort of have that, mm. that, that pomp and that prestige, but it's like, it's also that's, that feels so like rooted. Like I think what the first Oscars was like before world war two even started, it was just like a million years ago. Mm. And it was just like a bunch of people in rooms and tuxedos. And then like, they didn't even, they didn't like TV wasn't even a thing to show it initially. Like it was just a made for people in the room it was a big party. And I don't know, there's so much of that sort of vestigial award show pieces. And it's like, Part of me kind of wishes that Keeley would just do like Winter Games Fest and just come out and be like, hey, everybody, here's what the new trailers are. But I don't know. Mm. You know, I guess you don't have an excuse to get like Hans Zimmer to write the Game Awards theme song. Yeah. This is tricky. I have a hard time imagining that they would get nearly as much viewership if they yep. didn't have all of the reveals. You know what I mean? So he, he, Jeff and his team, they're kind of, you know, between a rock and a hard place with how to balance this sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like. It, generally speaking it's like two steps forward one step back with these like they'll improve some things and then some things feel like maybe they need improvement even more you know next time around with each of his events so i feel like generally speaking it's always like a positive trajectory but hopefully we can get somewhere with these that it, it, the balance feels good to to most people watching it yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be interesting to see regardless i hope we get some some cool surprises and stuff and again uh we have we're doing our Game Awards sort of pre and post show coverage. That is uh, December eighth. Begins at four p.m. Pacific time, uh, right here on IGN. You know, yada yada yada. All that whole that whole thing. That old chestnut. Now, um, what do you guys want to talk about? What's going on? I mean, you know, we're, just, we're coming back from Turkey Week. Um, Turkey Week's been just happened. Um, been playing some games, spending some play? time with family. Uh, I've been putting some time into Gotham Knights. Uh, still? I'm still playing Gotham Knights, Cowabunga. yes. Cowabunga. Cowabunga, indeed. Uh, you know, playing as my favorite Ninja Turtle, um, the uh, the purple one. And so, uh, but yeah, no, I've been playing that. I finally found all the collectibles, so I'm just kind of going through that. I'm like pretty sure I'm like 90% done. I'm about to probably cap off the story tonight, which is good because they're adding the four-player heroic assault mode tomorrow, supposedly. They they posted about it today on Twitter. So um, we're getting some type of uh, visitor from space. Um, and I believe it's supposed what? to be... Yeah, supposedly we're getting a, a friend from space is visiting or something like that. With um, And so I've heard rumors that it's Starro. But what? yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see tomorrow. We don't have much time to wait. Uh, by the time, I think by the time this episode posts, actually, it'll sure. be live. So, you know, you guys will probably see it. You might play it before you see this episode. So, yeah, who knows? You know, if I'm wrong, because I predicted wrong the day before, uh, you know, at me in the comments. That's fine. It's, it's a okay. Colin, okay what did you get wrong. a chance to play this, this weekend over the break? Uh, well, I've been playing a lot of real life uh, unpacking. Um, oh. oh, how were the sound I just, effects? I just Did moved. you have different sound effects when you put things on the bed versus the floor? It, it, it was completely contingent on what the material was that I set them down on. That's but great. Yes, very different. Very different. Um, uh, so I did a lot of, of literally unpacking because I just moved to, to Los Angeles. But um, I've been trying to finish God of War Ragnarok. Um, uh, it just struck me that it came out like almost three weeks ago at this point um and i just i feel my only real complaint about that game is it really does feel too long like there's so much in there and we know that it's they turned it into a duology instead of doing like a full trilogy and i kind of wish they went with the full trilogy route because it feels like the latter two halves two two thirds of a trilogy kind of put into one game, which is really awesome because it's like, you know, imagine you're just in theaters in the early thousands and like you go to see Two Towers and suddenly you also get like Battle for Minas Tirith and like the ring going in the volcano and all of that stuff. Um, but also imagine you're going to a six and a half hour long movie. You know what I yeah, mean? That's yeah. kind of what it feels like to no, me. No, that's an interesting so it's point. Like, like awesome. They, yeah. they, I mean, I guess they could have taken a page from like the Final Fantasy VII remake approach and done like just chopped up a full game into pieces. Mm -hmm. You know, no, no, not mm. to knock full games or anything, whatever that constitutes. But yeah, I mean, we we know like games, the way they're put in development, like there's they they, pl they plan this stuff ahead. You know, this isn't like a surprise. Like we're mm. gonna get another God of War after this, and it's probably already in talks. Like they're figuring that out but yeah like uh, they could have they could have broken it in two pieces and like really eventized it and i guess you know that would be asking for twice as much money from the players which people wouldn't like mm. but in terms mm. of like you know it being a, a story it also would have been like way more of like oh what happens next what are we gonna do which is yeah 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 i get if it i remember I'm... correctly go ahead no go ahead 
I just if I remember correctly, they said their reasoning for it was they didn't want to spend like ten years making these three games. And I totally respect that. Like if I was yeah. a video game developer, I would not want to be like slaving away on these three games over and over and over again. And instead, if you can if you can deliver the sort of the same uh, overall experience in two when you could do it in three instead, like I, I respect them for for deciding to just sort of make a really, really packed game. But it also just feels to me like I'm I think I'm like almost 40 hours into it, and I'm still not entirely sure how close I am to the end. And for an action-adventure game, that's a pretty, pretty long game. That's a lot of that's time. A, that's, so, a, that's a long game. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, but it's very I, good. Very I had good. to love it. mainline it as fast as I could so we could talk to Eric, and I... Like, I was burning through that, and I finished it, like, literally seconds over 25 hours, which was, like... Mm. Uh, yeah, that mainlining it, yeah, you can probably get it done about 25. 40s, that's... You're doing, you're doing some good mm -hmm. side quest action there. I think mm -hmm, I clocked mm -hmm. in at 60... Or whatnot for mine with doing all like ninety five percent of all the yeah. like optional fights. And... I mean that's that you're you're supposed to consume it at your own pace and like, the way think, you want mm -hmm. to. Yeah, some people just like you know marathon it, guzzle it all down, try to platinum it as fast as possible. I'm not going to name any names or anything. You know, some you know who would I don't know who would do that sort of thing. I, I like to sit back leisurely, enjoy things. You know, but no, we we talked to, we talked to Eric about this. It was sort of before we started rolling, but he mentioned how like there's it sort of opens up in the middle. Which I think mm. sort of you could look at this as being sort of pacing issues, but it basically opens up, widens out, and lets people play play around. And then toward a, towards the end, it, it funnels. kind of yeah, it funnels, which I think is a really interesting way yeah. of doing it. And we've seen that like a handful of times with other games. But you know, it. it I mean, that was one of the, the gripes about Elden Ring is that at the very end it just starts narrowing. You take like this open thing, and then it becomes you know suddenly yeah. much more linear and I'm, narrow. And it's. I think I'm about to get to the funnel section. Like I think I'm about to head into that home stretch. But uh, yeah, I'm in a section that like, you know, there's multiple times in the game where you'll sort of hit an area and they're basically just like, you can continue the story if you want, or here's a bunch of other stuff you can do. And the way I love playing games, especially games that I like, is I like to do the other stuff before going back mm -hmm. to the main story. Um, so I can't fault it for that, because I, I could just be playing the main story, and that and mm -hmm. I, it, maybe I should if that's my complaint. But, um, you know, every time you go to do that side stuff, it would maybe be like, you know, two, three hours and then you're back into the main stuff. And the most recent one where they've sort of given me the option to go do the side stuff, I feel like I've been doing it for like six hours now, and I'm just like, this is so much. Like I, I, I think I, I know where just you're go at. Back to the story. <laughs> yeah, but but I don't. I also feel just compelled to finish all this side stuff. So it's like I know I'm my own problem here, yeah, but yeah. also like it's just so much. I always like to do like. I'll play through the story, do all, my, and then once I get all the the bulk of the side quests appear, I do mm. all the side quests, and then I finish mm -hmm. all side quests as they come, and then I just shotgun the last bit of the story because I want like the yeah. last like twenty thirty percent of the story to just be like uninterrupted for like mm -hmm. a narrative purpose. Yeah, it's like so. when you you eat the vegetables first, so you just get them out of the way. Yeah, then you eat the it. chicken yeah. or <laughs> whatever. I don't know what else is on like the plate. You eat the dessert. I don't know why that would be on the plate at the same time as the vegetables or whatever, some sort of sequence breaking of meals. Anyway, uh, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, thank you both for joining me. This yeah. is great. Uh, Colin, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Colin D. Stevens on Twitter as long as Twitter exists. That's a, never thought we'd be saying that, but here we are. Jada, you're Jada underscore Rena. That's me. And I'm Max Scovel on there. It's also Max Scovel on other things, but uh, yeah, who's keeping track? Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with more sleep and uh, less turkey in our uh, bodies or whatever. Less, less, I hope you have less turkey less in your body next gravy week. gravy in our bloodstreams. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us and uh, beyond. 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 <laughs>